Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs, the uh, radio show that continuously streams stories of entrepreneurship, leadership, and how people are dealing with the chaos of this economy and directed towards success. My name is Jeffrey Davis again. My next guest is a regular contributor to the show. Uh, it's Tom McNulty, attorney at Landau and Anastasi. Uh, welcome back. Oh, good morning. Good to be here. Nice to see you again. So I know patents are your thing. So what's the topic <laughs> du jour? Uh, well, today I kind of thought it would be good to talk about what you should do if you're threatened with patent uh, litigation. Um, you know, when you're a startup business, uh, one of the signs that you're maybe onto something or making some progress is when uh, patent holders kind of come out of the woodwork and come after you uh, for what you're doing. Um, and there's there's important steps that you should be taking uh, early on in the process to ensure that uh, your rights are as protected as possible. <clears throat> um, so the first thing I want to mention, there's sort of a number of different ways you can be threatened with patent litigation, um, ranging from somebody just sort of inf giving you an informational, um, you know, letter or an informational call. Hey, you know, I've got this patent. Maybe you want to take a look at it. Um, those are those are in some ways almost an invitation to license more so than a threat of litigation. Uh, and then it gets a little more formal if you get a cease and desist letter. Um, that can be something that formally demands that you stop doing what it is, whatever it is they are accusing you of infringing. It might identify specific products or specific uh, services or methods or whatnot. It might identify specific patents and specific claims. Um, that's a little bit uh, more serious. Uh, it kind of ups the ante. I know I've talked in the past about uh, the potential for being found uh, a willful infringer. Um, this kind of notice may be the thing that sort of triggers you where now you've got to take affirmative steps to avoid infringement uh, or, or potentially be deemed a willful infringer. <clears throat> uh, and then it kind of ramps up from there. There could be a copy of a proposed complaint that they would intend to file or very often they will file a complaint uh, and uh, send you a courtesy copy. Um, the filing of the complaint doesn't kick off the lawsuit. It's only when they formally serve it on you that it kicks off the lawsuit. Uh, but it certainly, you know, ups the ante a bit if they've gone ahead and filed uh, because they've, uh, you know, in America, it's a kind of a first to file is where the, where the court case will be held. So they've established what court they uh, want the litigation to be in. And then, of course, like I say, if you've been served, then the clock's ticking. That's uh, super important to know. Uh, service is usually done by a, a sheriff or a service processor delivering it in hand to an individual or delivering it on an officer or manager of a corporation or a registered agent of a corporation in hand. Um, so that's that's one of the triggers you definitely want to be aware of is, is when service has occurred. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so like I say, there's there's sort of a couple of, uh, a couple of levels of uh, threat that this triggers. One is the threat of the suit. Another is the threat that you'll be found to be a willful infringer. That can result in treble damages. It can result in an award of attorney's fees that, that typically would not take place in litigation in America. Um, so um, as you would probably expect from an attorney, the first thing you should do is contact your attorney if you receive any kind right. of threatening language. Um, and discuss with them kind of the options and the possibilities him or her, um, you know, for responding to, or perhaps for not responding to um, the communication that you receive. Um, you know, an attorney can help analyze, obviously, sort of the, the, the claim and the likelihood that uh, the claim has merit and that you'll be found to have infringed, but they can also help you analyze the, the 
exposure that you have and the you know potential litigation exposure, the potential damages that you might have to pay, the potential for an injunction, injunction excuse me. Uh, they can look at the patent. They can look at the file history of the patent, which is the sort of back and forth between the patentee and the patent office in, in negotiating whether the claims should be allowed. Um, those things can all serve to limit what the claims of the patent mean and, and can be very helpful uh, in making these analyses. <clears throat> uh, I have a question for you, Tom. You know, sure. in some countries, uh, there are inhibitors towards lawsuits and penalties for the aggressor. Not as much so here, freedom of <laughs> operations on all sides. Now, if I have a small startup company and I have a very interesting patent and there's a big, big brother company out there that doesn't want me in that category, they can just wallpaper me with disincentives. What do I, you know, what recourse do I have other than the law to try <laughs> to fight back? Because money is limited, right? Yeah, money is limited. And that, I mean, that's a problem that, uh, you know, a startup that's looking to assert patents um, has to face. Um, you know, the things you would want to do there, you would certainly want to put them on notice as, as early as possible so that so that you have the, you know, the possibility to claim willful infringement. Um, and like I say, that gives you a, a much greater chance of getting your attorney's fees back. But that only, you know, that doesn't help you throughout the litigation. It only helps you if you win in the end. And that could put um, some companies out of business. It, it's, it certainly is a problem. Um, it probably will impact whether you decide to, you know, really go all out seeking an injunction and keeping the field clear for yourself or whether you're going to license uh, the technology because that gives the, you know, the ability to license an accused uh, infringer gives you sort of a potential anyways, quicker and cheaper out. Um, the other thing that um, has, has become and is becoming more of a thing in this country is there are, um, litigation financing entities that, uh, um, you know, they'll evaluate your case. And if they think there's uh, some merit and some money to be had, um, they'll potentially uh, partially or sometimes even completely fund the litigation in return for, um, you know, some percentage of, uh, of any proceeds. Um, so that's, that's certainly a route that could be well, that's, taken. That's very interesting. And I don't know how viable that is. But again, I've sat with clients over the years, and I'm sure you've heard <laughs> this, and I've sat in board meetings where people have said to me, we don't want to file the patent because we don't want to give them a heads up that we're in this category <laughs> and we can't afford to fight them if they find out that they have a heads up. Yeah, that's, it's I mean, that's, tough. it's tough for small business. These are, these are all very difficult decisions. Um, you know, the downside of not filing uh, your patent early enough is, you know, should, should something be sold or published or otherwise disclosed, you may lose your rights to file a patent down the road. Um, so there's, there is that concern. And quite frankly, if somebody else comes up with the idea in the interim and they file first, uh, America is, is now a first to file country. Um, so it doesn't matter if you thought of it before them, if they've got something on file before you, they will win. So there are some incentives for filing early, but yeah, I understand your point. There's, there's definitely some, uh, some considerations in, in, you know, in terms of money allocate, it, allocation. It's a very hard business decision for a minimally financed technology business that's already bootstrapping. It's just, yep. uh, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, like you're not, a, you're not, you don't write the laws. So I get that. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of protection for those small businesses. And as I said, in some other countries that I've consulted in and I've worked in, there are protections against 
these big corporations, you know, filing, you know, know, to just stop people, they they can be punished by sort of bullying themselves into the room. Yeah, I mean, a lot of other countries have a a loser pays um, litigation kind of set up. So, you know, if you beat them, they will end up paying, you know, some or all of your fees or triple and, damages. Yeah, yeah. There, there's trouble damages. And, and you know, quite frankly, most countries have far less um, liberal discovery than America does. And, and the ability to run up costs is, you know, to a certain extent limited. Um, but you know, for, for better or for worse, this is the regime that we have here in the uh, in the country. Well, I mean, I understand the logic. I've spoken to litigators who say to me about the, a fair playing field you know, democracy. <laughs> and I understand the argument. It's a nice, pure argument, but it does seem to some degree that the laws are a little bit skewed to those who, you know, those who have the dollars have the power. Um, yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but I do have to agree with you there. There is uh, definitely that, that kind of a flavor. Um, and, and it sort of works in, in other ways too. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the term patent troll. Um, you know, patent troll is a, an entity that holds and, and asserts patents and really doesn't do any other business. And um, a, a lot of the ways that that industry sort of grew was the threat of very expensive litigation. Um, they would uh, they would assert a patent against you, threaten or actually file suit, and they would accept, you know, relatively small amounts of money, um, you know, compared to the, the cost of going through litigation as a way of basically getting you to settle regardless of what you thought of the merits. Um, and, you know, if you can do that enough, against enough entities and get enough settlements without really fighting the fight, you know, it becomes a, a financially lucrative model. Wow. Uh, and that's one of the other problems. I know, I know in, in a lot of states, at least, um, there's been some discussions about passing um, anti-patent troll litigation, um, you know, laws designed to, to curtail it or at least punish uh, entities that do that. Um, but it sort of remains to be seen whether that will have any significant effect uh, on, on that business model. Wow. <clears throat> We've been speaking with uh, our regular contributor, Tom McNulty, attorney at Lando and Anastasi. Tom, you know, big or small, it's a hot topic, especially where you are and you're in the hotbed. You're in the center of the heart of the hotbed of New England. Uh, <laughs> if somebody's looking for you or advice on how to be the defender or the aggressor, who knows? How do they find you? Uh, they can always get me at uh, my email, tmcnulty at lalaw.com, uh, or you can call me at 617-395-7040. How wonderful. And I look forward to speaking with you again. It is a hot topic, especially in our economy and what's going on today. And I remind everybody, this is Radio Entrepreneurs.